If you have a question or topic for this podcast, email gowithitpodcast at gmail.com. That's gowithitpodcast at gmail.com. All one word. What would you do and how would you feel if one month from now you were going to maximum security federal prison for three years? Three years. It's not a huge long sentence, but... It's a significant chunk of life. The first thing I would do is I would go commit as many crimes as possible. Because Makes what sense. are they going to do now? Right. What they, are they even going to do yeah, to me? They, they've I got, think I'd kill some people right. just to see what it's like, you know, see the light go out and all let that. Me, let me lay out the scenario. Oh, okay. okay. You were falsely accused of oh. whatever crime is worth three years in maximum yeah. security federal prison. I don't know exactly what that is. Um, you know you're innocent. Your friends believe you when you say you're okay, you're innocent, good. but they you know they can't know for sure. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's a bad situation, but it's done. It's it's yeah. done and paid for. You're going <laughs> to maximum security. Maximum security, but for three years. That that's weird already. But sure, let's assume that. Is that's, that not a thing that happens? I think if it's maximum security, it's always more than three years. But I only know from the TVs. So what do I know? Let's there's, just go with it. It's a, it's a hypothetical there's some scenario. sort of bureaucratic loophole that yeah, makes yeah, it so yeah. you have to go for okay, fine. maximum security, even though. Maybe you're supposed to go to mid-level security or whatever. I would think, but sure. You're going. You're going to like you know movie prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Movie prison it. for three. Oh my god. Yeah. For three years. And I don't mean the movie The Rock, where the prison is abandoned except for tourists and then terrorists, mm-hmm. and and then also Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery. I mean, like a bad time. You you could probably survive. I don't know. We can talk about that. That's that's a secondary part. I don't know, man. That's I don't think I don't think part. I'm gonna make it. All right. I'll tell so, you right now. So let's start with. You have your month here. Okay. What are you doing in the month? And then we're going we're wow. to, within this, talk about how you feel. Like, how, how does this feel? What is, what's your life like? Okay. It feels like the end of the world for yeah. me. It feels like I, I really don't think I'm going to survive the three years. Like, in one way or another, either I'm going to literally die or I think I'm going to have to do things in the three years in this maximum security prison to survive that makes it so I can't ever leave. You know what I mean? I'm going to have to shiv a guy and, you know, whatever, be a tough dude and whatever. Do it's horrible possible things. that this is a movie-based overestimation of how rough it really is on average. Got me, man. You said it's movie prison. That's yeah, all yeah, I have to work you know, with. What I mean is, like, it's a large state institution with lots of criminals. Am I in fear for my life on the regular or not? Like, probably. That's my question. Probably at least a little. Probably not, like, constantly. Am I getting bullied? Am I, do I have to worry about getting raped a lot? Like... This really matters, you know, in terms of like how I'm feeling going into this. You know, I did recently see a post on Reddit. Uh, I don't know who to attribute it to from a former inmate who had been incarcerated in maximum security prison in North Carolina. Okay. And they said that it was nothing like movie prison. It was actually a lot more chill. Good. And it was really boring. Although with the caveat that he did hear that it was more like movie prison in California, Arizona, and New York. Oh, so if you get so it's about which state yeah. you go to, yeah, basically. So you want like Texas, Texas. I'm not sure. He, did, he didn't. He didn't mention Texas. Yeah. He did not mention Texas. Um, okay, if it's like that, so now it's more like okay, you can't be, you can't just like serve yourself up to people. But if you like keep your head down and you know, whatever, make a few friends, you're going to be okay kind of a thing. Part of the question is you don't know exactly what it's going to be like, right? You're actually you, right? You've seen the movies. Jeez, I mean... All you know is the judge sentenced you to maximum security prison. You saw... You you did some research online, of course, about what it's like. Of course I'm going to do that. Let's say you saw stuff similar to this post on Reddit. Yeah. But also some stuff that's like... Actually, yeah, in California, it was really bad. And you don't know for sure if that's... Okay. Yeah. Here's what I'm doing. Um, I'm going to take a 30-day self-defense class for sure. 
Okay, that's a good idea. Like, I'm going to get as good as I can get at some self-defense stuff just so I have a basic, like, it's not that easy to fuck with me. And maybe, you know, probably do stuff where I get I get used to getting hit a little bit, too, in these self-defense classes. Yeah. Maybe spar with people. So I'm not so afraid of that because right now I'm a little afraid of getting hit, you know, just sure. in life. But, like, you get hit enough, you're, you stop being afraid of that stuff. You realize it's not going to kill you and what it feels like. Yeah. And it's okay. Um, I think I would do all of that for sure. Um, obviously, I try and spend time with loved ones and things like that um, as well. Um, I guess if it was three years, I would try and make smart investments. I'd be like, all right, what are things that are likely to be worth a lot more in three years than they are now? And I mean, aren't you already doing that? Yes, but I might, <laughs> yeah. I might push a little harder in that direction, you yeah. know, since I can't mess with it. I mean, I you, yeah, you, you're going to want to keep a decent amount of cash to send to yourself to, to like for the commissary. No right? question. And also maybe paying people off yeah. to like leave you alone or something. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but what's a decent amount of cash for three years? $200,000? That ought to Oh, do I think it. you need a lot less than that for, for prison cash. I think. I'm talking about so people don't kill me. Like ah. if I may have to pay, like I would, that's like my insurance fund in case I don't, cause I don't know how tough it's really going to be. Like if I have a hundred K sitting around that I can be like, you know, I'm going to pay $50,000 and you're not only going to, you're not going to kill me. You're going to like sort of look out for me a little bit for the next. That's a slippery slope that you of might not want to enter because then also you're known as the guy I know who might well, have that type of money. Well, you know, you're like, this is my last 50K. Of course, if it's your last 50K, they take the 50K and they don't protect yeah, you anyway. You said it's you, a bad spot. You're right. You said you had loved ones too, by the way, right? Yeah. So those people might be like, oh, how do we get to this guy? You know, I mean, I, that's true for anyone, though. Everyone has loved ones. Right. But not once you're the guy in prison who's throwing around $50,000, the people oh, who yeah. are in prison who might have connections to some criminals outside <sighs> of the prison might be like, hey, yeah, guess who Jonathan Levy's loved ones are. OK, so this is the kind of thing I would spend the next 30 days <laughs> thinking about yeah. and like gaming out a little bit because you're right. I hadn't thought this through enough. Clearly, um, self-defense classes makes a lot of sense. To I me. agree with that. Like um, just gener- generally getting in the best shape of your life. Yes. If getting you tough as hell. Yeah. Basically. And not just, and it, it isn't just, I think, um, self-defense classes and getting in great shape, but understanding what I have to do for the next year or two to stay in great shape or get in even better shape. Cause I'm not like in amazing shape right now. Let's be clear. I'm in okay shape for your like, age in America. You're in good shape. Fine. Yeah. But if for a maximum security prison, how am I doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. So like, what do I, so I would like to know exactly what I need to do. And I'm sure I could figure this out given 30 days and the internet. Um, so that way, like all that free time I'm going to have, if it's boring, I'm fucking doing shit. I'm working, you know, like I got to get this body like scary at least. And like can take some punishment because who knows? Yeah. Um, that's mostly what I'm thinking about much more so than like spending, like you got to spend time with loved ones too. But like, if it's only three years, yeah. it feels like it's more important about surviving the experience. Well, then you'll have lots of free time with your loved ones later rather than cramming that in right now and being like, you know, I might die. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that would be my, um, that's my immediate take. I would be terrified, unhappy. And if I thought it was going to be like the original movie prison stuff, and I thought I wasn't going to make it, I'd probably live the 30 days out really well and then consider killing myself. I don't think I would do it because I don't think I can actually pull the trigger. No, I don't that. think you can. But, um, but I, would at least, like, I would at least consider it. If I'm like, they're definitely going to kill me in there, like, why am I going? Because like, so I'd be uh, like, maybe I can talk them into saying you're not this, killing me, man. This might change one of my follow-up questions yeah. because my follow-up question was going to be, what if it were 20 years? And it sounds like you would probably pull the trigger then. I would do a lot more research about just how rough it, I'd really know. I might spend like a week talking to like people who've like gotten out of maximum security prisons and stuff like that. I probably would spend a little time doing that no matter what, but like a lot of time really understand what the experience is going to be like and then decide what the hell I'm doing. Um, you know, 
they play poker in prison, right? Like yeah. maybe I could just have everyone owe me warm. from poker. You're going to be warm. I mean, that's a, that's an option, right? Yeah. Just play tight. I'm sure it'll work in fucking prison, <laughs> right? As long as they abide by the rules and the outcomes. I think they probably do. Otherwise, what's the point of playing? Yeah. Right. So like if they, if as soon as they break that, then there's no point ever playing again. Right. So I think actually that works. There's probably is a currency system and it probably does work. So that would be a move for me. I would just have to survive long enough to be able to like get in some games and, and make it. I'm sure I do fine, you know? Like that's 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 another way out maybe for me. Yeah. Also, you know, maybe I could convince the warden I could do his taxes for him. <laughs> what? That's an Andy Dufresne. Joke. Right. That. Yeah. I was trying. To, I was like, where? What movie is it? Why yeah. couldn't I remember the the greatest prison movie of all time? I don't I know. I don't know. I hope that's the very end. Yeah. Well, Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Says that. Yeah. He says that. Yeah. And then they get married on the beach. It's Morgan great. Freeman and Andy. Yeah, yeah isn't that the last scene? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's crazy because Tim Robbins is in character still, but Morgan Freeman is not. No, he's, he's just, like, he's he's all, all in. Yeah, he's, he's fully in love. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful, really. It's confusing to Tim Robbins, but yeah. he's going to go with it. But he's a good actor. So he's a, yeah, exactly. He's like, it's method. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, I think, about you? I think those things all make sense. Yeah. I, I mean, definitely getting in as good of shape and self-defense makes tons of sense. Obviously, you want to talk to a lot of people who have been in prison to see like what you need to know. Like, yeah. what's what are what are the first things I need to know? How should I act when I enter to not yes. offend anybody? Oh my god! Like what I like what what nonverbal cues am I accidentally giving off when I walk around in the prison? Like, how do I make sure I'm not stepping on anybody's toes in any way ever? You know, I think that's really important. Yeah, and it's like what are the general process things? Because I think. A lot of the stuff that happens that's bad is probably born out of like perceived slights from general process mm. where like a new person doesn't know what to do, like in the bathroom or, or like when you're brushing your teeth or something and you did something you weren't supposed to do, that type of thing. In the movies, that's definitely the way it goes down. I know that. Yeah. Um, maybe part of the problem here is we're just trying to make it through these three years. We're trying to survive yeah. these three years. What if the goal was to thrive in prison, like to run the fucking place? Because, you know, if you could shoot for the moon and even if you miss, you land, you still hit the stars, you know? Uh, yeah, that seems like a really bad idea. What if it works, though? Then you'd you... Be like, you'd be like fucking Al Capone in there, you know, making up your uh, sauce and your, your spaghetti sauce. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have a couple follow-up questions. Okay. I have a couple. If offered at the beginning of your prison sentence that you could be in solitary confinement for the whole three years, would you take it? Probably not. Because you've seen what it does to... I can't imagine I would survive that mentally. Yeah. I don't think any... Almost no one can. You'd be right? physically safe. It's true. If I really believed they were going to kill me for sure, I would take it. Because yeah. I'd be like, I got a shot to survive it mentally. I know that. Like, I'm pretty strong mentally, I think, of myself anyway. Yeah. I don't know if I could do three years. I, I do believe I could do like a month. Um, it would be hard, but I think I could do it. Um sort of thinking about the pandemic, which wasn't fully solitary confinement. It's a little different than solitary confinement. Right. But I'm saying, but like I did the pandemic, especially the beginning stages where everyone stayed in better than most people. Yeah. Like, um, so I think I got a shot at it. Um, but three years feels like Everest to me, you know, like I just don't know how I could climb that particular mountain. But again, if I was sure they were going to kill me, otherwise I would snap, accept it and see if I could pull it off. Cause it feels like a free roll. Yeah. You kind of got to also, it could be like this. It could be like, I could go crazy but then I get out. Maybe I get uncrazy. You know? I don't think you could ever be sure they're going to kill you, right? Like the murder rate in prison isn't so high that you could be sure that they're going to yeah. kill you when you enter a prison. But a guy like me, it might, it might be pretty high. You're not going to talk the way you talk outside of prison. You're not going to be all like bubbly and arrogant in prison. You're Am gonna- I not? 
I think you're going to be humble and keep your head down yeah, and shut the fuck I'm up. I'm going to hate it so much. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm going to have so many things I like want to say. I'm like, that was a really funny joke, but I'm not going to say it. Yeah, I could make a really good joke right now. Yeah. It's like was, sometimes we're hanging out with our friends in Portland. The, yeah. It might be a little worse. Yeah. The true torture of Jonathan Levy is not being able to make his slightly off-color joke in prison. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Another follow-up question. Okay. Let's assume you're in North Carolina going to the prison that this guy on Reddit was talking about. Mm. You know this guy. You trust him. He was okay. there for five years. He's like, I swear it was so fucking boring. Right. But like, there was never a time when I felt at risk. I mean, know? that's kind of the best case scenario for a maximum security prison. Right. So let's assume that you trust him and yeah. that's, that's how you expect it to be. Yeah. How does that change your preparation for prison? Do, what do you need to do? Okay. Um, I still want to get in pretty good shape, I think, because... Just in case. I mean, people get in prison fights and shit, right? Yeah, I don't still, wanna, he I said don't, that he said there were still fights, but like it was, it was always not that bad, and it was. Pretty, I would just assume the tougher I look and the tougher I am, the less likely I'm, I'm to run into trouble. Or if I do run into trouble, the more likely I am to like do well with it. So yeah. I'd want to prepare myself for that. Yeah. Um, because you know, if I can have, if I can work hard for this month, and essentially that's two less fights I get into for the next three years, that's probably worth it. Yeah. You know, and and who knows? And what also, else. you get to be in good shape. Yeah, I mean, that's good too. Yeah. So. There's that. The other thing, though, I would be doing is really looking into what activities do and don't you get to do. Like when you're in the prison, do you get like a pencil and paper? Do you get books? Do you get nothing? Like when you're in your cell, like what's the actual day look like? Right. Because I would think I would be trying to do creative endeavors if I had five years and nothing to do, you know? So if they let you have pen and paper... Then you would try to write a book or a movie or something. I'd probably write yeah. multiple books and movies. Yeah. I would think. Let's assume you don't get pen and paper. Right. But you have access to a pretty weak library. It's a library, but it's only got like, you know, really big title hits. That How many books? It's got 40 books in it and you get one at a time if you want. I imagine I would read all the books multiple times. Yeah. Um, except the very worst ones. The ones I like the best, I'd read a lot. You know, I'd probably read at least once a year, the ones right. I liked a lot. Um, I think you just blow through that that library pretty quickly and keep reading the ones you like. And eventually you're like, all right, I haven't read that one I didn't like. Maybe I'll find something in it. it reminds me when I read the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And I was, I actually was in England working 72 days straight. I was in England by myself in small towns, right? So okay. I brought the Lord of the Rings trilogy with me. And like that was like, the only other thing I had with me was like my laptop at the time. This is like, to be clear, like 2002. So you weren't, you didn't have like a lot of cool stuff you could do on your laptop. Right. The internet was not much of a thing. Yeah. Um, there wasn't streaming. There was nothing like that. I brought a few DVDs with me, but not that fucking many. You know, yeah. I brought like seven or 10 DVDs. So 72 days, you know, I yeah. watch all those movies, but um, I read the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy and really didn't enjoy it and read yeah. the whole thing anyway because right. there was nothing to fucking do. So right. it'd be a much worse version of that. Right. But I remember. Like reading the first one and being like, I really don't like how this is going. <laughs> like early on, I'm like, is this just a lot of like very uninteresting, almost like an anthology? Like it's just little stories about where they're going that doesn't matter in the bigger story. Yes, it is. That's almost this entire first fucking book. Fuck it. I'm reading it anyway. I got a lot. I got 69 more days. <laughs> like, let's go. Maybe it'll get better. You know, I got nothing else to do here. Yeah. So reading. Sure. I would... Um I would. I think I would try to get pretty deep into meditating before I went. Mm. Like try to try to truly like at least That's get on a idea. path. I don't think I have to get 
elite at meditating before I get to prison, but get on a path where I know how to train myself to get better and better to the point where maybe I could do it a couple hours a day. Yeah. And that would, I think that would be pretty useful. There's a guy who was a prisoner, I think, I think it was Vietnam. Not sure which war it was. I think it was Vietnam. But he was a prisoner for years, POW there, right? And they had him essentially like chained to a wall for years, right? And so he couldn't really move, couldn't really do anything. And there was nothing to do at all. I don't think there were even other people around who spoke English. So yeah. it was really just him. And what he did was, and he, and he got through it okay. What he did was he closed his eyes and played golf in his mind. But he played like golf. He, he loved golf. So he played very particular golf courses and like slowly and carefully and tried to get every detail right. Huh. So he'd like play Augusta and play 18 holes at Augusta. And it would actually take him like four hours to do it because he would really play it and he'd walk the course in his mind and like fully fucking go there. I don't right? think I'm capable of doing that. It's, it seems bizarre to even think about it. But maybe when you're in that situation, you can, you find, you can stretch to like, I might as well walk the course because what else am I doing? I mean, I'm not, this guy also has an excellent memory. Probably. He clearly does. Yeah. Um, but he apparently he came out of it with his brain intact, but also as a better golfer. He actually improved his golf game. Because this like, sounds like one of those things that has since been debunked. It does you, sound like that. Even as I'm some, saying it, I'm like, can this possibly be true? It feels like one of those things. It it's does. Like, have, this is the kind of this is LK99 all over again. This is. <laughs> it's not the same as LK99. LK99 was like maybe a real thing. This could just be a lie. Yeah. This is the you know what. This is something my friend's dad used to tell me and other people and uh, as like to make a point this is about like a thing. The guy and from... he's often sort of incorrect about stuff, it turns out. So, yeah, I, I'm now questioning if this it's This is true. like the guy from the league who said he was in the 9-11 situation. This is a similar thing. It's not that bad. <laughs> no, it's, it's not that bad. That was worse. I just saw him in something. A new thing? That guy's still working? No, it was an old thing. I would think, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't lie he's about like being He's like on a in... podcast now. He's on a podcast. Really? Yeah. I that's guess that's like about so as good as you can do if you are a my minor celebrity who lies about being affected by I'm gonna find out what he's doing right now and how popular the thing is. And because I want to see because I'm curious what group of people would be like, I want to give this guy attention and and effectively money, you know? Um because it seems impossible that there's any group in the United States anyway who would do that. But let's find out what he's I mean, doing. People deserve second chances in some cases. Does he deserve a second chance as an entertainer? I say no. I think probably not, but I don't know. I can be forgiving. Um, are you forgiving of him? Not, I'm not. Not currently, but I could be talked into forgiving him, I think. Huh. I don't think he's good enough at what he does to, be, to get a shot at being forgiven. Because that's how it works, right? Yeah, the thing it's kind of a catch twenty two situation because the more famous you are, the more easily that is uncovered to be untrue. So like Adam Sandler couldn't have gotten away with it for as long as this guy got away with it, right? Oh, Two that's almost certainly true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He was on Curb Your Enthusiasm in twenty seventeen. I think that that's the last time he was in something. I mean, he was in something called Avengers of Justice Farce Wars which was a movie, but I don't think, I think it was a very small movie, which probably was all he could do at that point. That's the last thing he was in as a, as a TV show or anything like that. Oh, no, he's really not doing anything at all. All right. Well, that's not, that's expected. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would think, I don't think there's any coming back from that. I got to tell you, I just don't think you get to come back from, I was in 9-11 and escaped. Yeah. 
um, and then live on that story for not like not like you said that for a week and fucking took walked it back. Even then, that's a problem. That's a big problem. He did it for like a decade. I don't really know the details of this. All I let's know is- get into it. Okay, I'm on his. Okay, here like, we are. Who who was he telling this and why was he telling them this? Um, he I know he did it on t- many talk shows and things like this. Anytime he went to do promotion. Everyone brought it up because it's such an interesting story. Really? Okay. So, okay. So he lied about working the South Tower of the World Trade Center at Merrill Lynch on the 54th floor on 9-11 and described his experience escaping death. He had said the events inspired him to move to LA and pursue stand-up comedy. In September 2015, after being contacted by a reporter from the New York Times for an article debunking the claim, he admitted his story was a lie. He was never employed by Merrill Lynch, which did, which did not have offices in the World Trade Center. This, but you're right. Like He's so unfamous that he actually got away with it. By the way, he was on Curb two years after this. Yeah. That's crazy. He also showed up in an episode of New Girl in 2016, but I'm guessing they filmed that probably yeah. before it happened. Maybe the Curb was filmed too. It's weird that that he was in Curb. That's interesting that he got away with it, even though the company he claimed to work for did not have offices in that tower. It shows you like how little, um, first of all, due diligence anyone does about... Yeah, you can lie on stuff. your resume for sure. In most oh cases. God. I mean, I remember watching the Manti Teo documentary oh, on yeah. Netflix, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, it was good. Um, and the thing I liked the best about it was that the guy, one of the guys who broke the story for Deadspin about all this, he said to him, the story was not about Manti Teo lying or his sexuality or any of that. That wasn't, that wasn't the story was that the failure of these news institutions to ever even do the most basic rudimentary investigation to any of this background checking any of it they just always believed it always wrote about it as if, as if it was factual for like a year when this guy was one of the most famous football players in america i mean look at look at george santos like that guy got pretty far in politics without anybody realizing what was going on i mean in fairness he was running for a congressional seat in new york so it's just the county he's in that's the only place true. it's a much smaller thing than manti teo where espn abc NBC, everyone's writing about this guy and writing about this story constantly. Yeah, but you could argue that even a small political office is higher stakes as far as the character of the person you're putting in there. It and might be higher stakes, but we had never heard of George Santos. Right. right? Everyone knew who Manti Teo is and, and everyone knew this story. And George Santos has been heavily exposed now and probably because he's in politics not, and other other places he wouldn't be. Um, right. I think that's true. Yeah. I think that's true. Um, it is really, It is really incredible, though. Coming back to... His name is Steve... Ranazi, Rana, I can't pronounce it. It's a lot of letters. Um, like an Italian name? Uh, yeah. yeah. On September 16th, 2015, so this is when he got found out, he, he tweeted, I don't know why I said this. This was inexcusable. I am truly, truly sorry. For many years, more than anything, I have wished with, and then the tweet stops. I wish that with, and then literally there's no, maybe he's going to keep tweeting because <laughs> what the hell? Is he tweeting now? Um. Yeah, he is. He is tweeting a little bit, not much. He's posting. There's no more. Tweeting. Oh, he's posting a lot of posts in 2019, in 2018. I think he was trying to find himself again. Um, I mean, what can you do besides try to find yourself again if you're that guy, right? You have no other options. I will say this: if you're him, I was saying like you know, after a week it's bad, but it wouldn't yeah. be as bad. I can see 
once you've done the thing. It's really hard to get out of it. You're like, well, I can't fucking walk that back. There's no walking it back. Hopefully everyone will just fucking forget about it. But God damn it, you made it too interesting for anyone to ever forget about it. And everyone is always going to want to talk about it for everything you do forever. Because like normally they get fucking entertainers on and it's like The Rock or Emily Blunt or whoever it is. And they don't have very interesting lives, really. It's all boring celebrity shit. This is fucking crazy that this happened, right? You were in 9-11 and that's why you went into entertainment? Fucking, what was it like when you feared for your life in this thing that changed us all, changed the whole world, when you were right there at ground zero? Of course everyone's going to ask about that forever. So he's had to fucking talk about that for years and years and years. And the fucking, he must be like just every day waiting for someone to realize, right? Also, eventually when he realized that Merrill Lynch didn't have an office, yeah, so he probably he must, figured he out He must have figured point. that out He's at some like, point. someone's going to know. Yeah. Someone's going to know. And I can't really... Stop saying Mary. I guess he could start saying, I just worked in financial services. But if someone said, What company? He's got to keep, he's got to be consistent, right? Yeah. It's a really big, oh man, it must just be the I mean, worst. I can, to, to go to the point of potentially forgiving him, I can imagine, I don't have a specific example, but there probably are similar things. A sympathetic protagonist in a TV show or movie who does something similar and then is in this pickle, mm. you know, and you're, and as the audience, you're kind of rooting for this person. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think they've made movies like that. I mean, this isn't exactly the same because you're not really rooting for this person, but Shattered Glass is true story. Sort of a similar thing about a, a reporter who made up all his stories. Oh, really? I um, didn't know anything about this. Oh, my God. It's great and totally really happened. Um, Stephen Glass, Shattered oh. Glass. Hayden Christensen is fabulous in this role. Fabulous. And it's a great movie. Um, and it's the true story about this guy who wrote for... I'm going to say, I don't think it's the New Republic, the National Review, the New Republic, something like that. Um, but it was, the, it's, it, they made a big thing because the magazine was the thing that whoever was president at the time literally read on Air Force One. Like yeah. it was that level of prestige. And he wrote stories and he fucking made it all up because he couldn't find great stuff to write about. And so his mind was really good. And it like took years for them to uncover that this wasn't true. And it like the slow realization that what he was saying wasn't true. And so you get sort of both sides of them discovering this, but also him. We sort of get his side a little bit of it too. It's a really good movie. It's well worth watching. Often when these these things happen often where somebody is revealed to have been living a really big lie for a long time. And I always just wonder how rough that must have been the entire time. Now, maybe different people are different and some people can just handle it and they're just fine with it. And they're just like, that's just what you do. You lie. Right. 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 Um, but if you're in one of those, like, I'm under a boulder type lies, like this guy from the league was who did the 9-11. Let's say, I'm not saying this is necessarily the case, because if he did this, he likely lied in other parts of his life. For sure. But let's say, for some reason, this is an, uh, a rare occurrence for him to make a, okay. lie, a lie like this. Right? Well, I mean, at this level, anyway. Yeah. Maybe. This type of lie, at least. And and then you get just caught under that lie. It's like, how much how much does that eat at you every day? Do you like you? You must be more likely to develop addiction problems and stuff like that when, would, when you're fighting so. against a lie like but this. But the thing is, when you say "eat at you," it almost—I don't know if you're coming from this place, but I hear like "eat at you" like you feel guilty that you're lying, and I don't think it's that as much as the fear of getting caught. That's what I meant. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like it's—I think based on survival instincts, you may feel guilty that you're lying, but that's under a huge yeah. layer of concern for like how your life is going to change if you get caught. Right. Right. What could Steve Ranazisi have done? So what he did is he tweeted stuff like, it is to the victims of 9-11 and to the people that love them and the people that love me that I ask for forgiveness. You can imagine that did not go over well in the, in the replies. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, it didn't. Yeah. Um, it's hard for anything he tweets there's soon after that to go well in the replies. Yeah. 
Um, so the question is, is there anything? Forget about is there anything. What's the best thing he could have done to try and clean this up? So hmm. he like admitted it after he was found out, by the way. It isn't like he did it on his own. He only admitted it when they were going to expose him anyway. And he basically apologized. Feels like crocodile tears because he's only doing because he's caught. And then sort of disappeared. What, what, what better could he have done? I mean, you could... I can think of some things. Yeah, there's some obvious things. Like, you made a lot of money in the league. You could donate, like, as much as you possibly could from your money from the league to, like, the 9-11 Firefighter Victims Fund or something like that. I think that's the first thing he should do yeah. is basically say, I made, over the course of this many years beyond the league, $7 million. Um, I have spent a lot of that, but I have $2 million left. I'm giving $1.5 of it. to not, And not only that, but every dollar I make from now on, in perpetuity... From royalties for the league, I'm giving away to the victim's family. So yeah. shit like that. I'll, I'll keep it's the, like extreme. I'll keep new money that I make. But yeah, yeah, anything yeah. from the time when I was like actively lying and, and using that's, that to advance my career. Yeah. That seems fair. It does. Um, and that's a big financial hit. Huge. And there's a real chance you're never going to make any new money, kind of like he hasn't. Yeah. But he's got a shot this way. And it, it then makes it more believable when he says like, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. Cause he's actually hurting himself. That's a, that's a real, like he's significantly hurting his lifestyle. If he literally says, I've got $2 million to my name and I'm giving away three quarters of it. That's yeah. a lot. Right. And, and I'm giving away every dollar I make in perpetuity on everything I've done up until now to the, to the victim's families. You could say like, it's better for the victim's families that he lied. Yeah. I mean, you could also say it isn't cause he's sort of steal. It's like almost stolen valor or something like that, but still, they're, like there, there people benefit at least now from it instead of like all it did was like help him and like, ugh, ugh, it's so dark. Another thing, the only other thing I can think of that he could do, um, and I think this is hard to pull off, and it requires him to be a good writer. But he could write like a a blog post type thing, that rather than trying to apologize and seem sincere in his apology tells his story from the moment of the lie on mm. genuinely yes and, like, reads as genuine rather right. than him doing revisionist history like but, realizing that he's fucked himself yeah and, and then it, he doesn't feel like he can go back and so right. he could, like goes over the years and, and like the different Praying no one brings it up the again. different instances and like all of the things and, and and he would also have to write it in a way that was not apologizing um like that wasn't letting himself off the hook right oh it would 100%. have to, it would have to be in a way that was completely conciliatory he has to take more ownership than even he thinks he should yeah to have, for this to be believable right at all. so i think if he does the it's already too late but if he had done the donation thing that yep. we talked about plus that and it really and that was like really well written and genuine and went over well maybe he'd have a chance maybe maybe not anyway yeah like i think probably not anyway just because there's a chance he could play himself in a movie if he wrote it that well enough. Or someone else could at least. Yeah. And he could make some money off that. Yeah. But you know what? If he didn't give the money, that money to the fucking victims' families, it'd be yeah. a problem again. This is part of the problem with giving the money to the victims' families is just like going to prison and being like, I got $50,000. Like every time you make money from now, people are going to be saying, that's the first question they're going to ask you, yeah. right? So are you giving this away too? Oh, you're not? No, you say that within, when you give the donation, you say like, all, this is all money that I made during the time that my lie was active. I understand. Know? But when he's promoting his new movie and he goes on anything, and of course they're going to bring this up every time. This is the first thing they're going to bring up. Yeah. And they're going to say, but now one, to let everyone know, he actually because this will be part of like their conciliatory thing and make people like you more. They're going to say all these things you've done to make it better, right? Yeah. And then they're going to say, so with this movie, are you also giving away your profits on this movie? Or are you keeping all the profits this time? Right. And if you say you're keeping them all, you're going to look like an asshole. 
it's going to be bad I for mean, you. I mean, I think maybe eventually you can get out of it. I think you are really giving the public way too much maybe credit. I that, oh, I said it. I said what this was, and they're going to remember and forgive me now. Like, even if they forgive you, you're going to have to do it forever. You basically can't be rich if you're this guy and be loved. There's no, yeah. there's no way. But you can repair your image. You can repair your image, and you can be like low-level rich, like yeah. small rich. You can never be big rich. The problem with well, him especially because he's not that talented. Right. That's part of it. There's a million guys who can do what he does. And yeah. He was good in that role in yeah, the he league. Was like I liked him. He was yeah. funny. Yeah. There are a lot of funny guys. He was actually probably the least funny of them. Now that I think about it, but yeah. he was still good. Yeah. Like everyone else is actually a brighter thing in my mind in terms of just being funny. But I liked him too. I mean, everybody else is a much more talented person. And I think right. we're, we're all going to do better than him anyway, right? Yes. However, he has not had a chance to show us his talent. True. And other people have like Nick Kroll. I wouldn't have known how good he was just based on the league. Right. But now I know. Yeah. Right. Um, so maybe this guy had that in him, but we're never going to know. Yeah. That. And too fucking bad for him. Right. Whatever. I think Nick Kroll and Paul Shear and Mark Duplass were all kind of already doing stuff while yeah. the league was going Paul on. Paul Shear for sure was. Yeah. I don't know about Nick Kroll for me and Mark Duplass was too for yeah. sure. Um, and then like, but Jenny Azelton has like had a, a bit of a career afterward. Yeah, I mean, not, not the same. She's level. had probably the career that maybe he could have expected. Right. Yeah. Jason Manzoukas clearly is like wildly yeah. talented. He's got to do all this great stuff, yeah. right? Um, yeah. So he just was always going to be probably last in line anyway, most likely. But like the most replaceable guy. But guess what? If Paul Shear or any of these people from the league did this, if fucking, they all would have the same outcome. Like, of course. It isn't that no one is good enough. And I don't know if you can be a good enough comedian to survive this. I don't think you can. So I, going back to prison, you had, you had a month to prepare for three years, maximum security prison. Yeah. Let's change the question. <laughs> okay. You going have a month to, to prepare to be on the show Survivor. I don't CB. watch Survivor. You know that, right? Yeah, but do you know the premise okay, of Survivor? Okay, I guess I guess it's okay. I don't watch Survivor. Here we go. All right, right, so you for some reason somebody was like, "You would be a great Survivor contestant." And so yeah. you send them a video and they and, take me. And they take you. Okay. It's a Sure, I can answer this question. And you know that you would get a million dollars if you win. Yeah, yeah. Right? You have to live for like a month out, out in the woods and on the island or whatever mm-hmm. and uh, do the social game and all, yeah, yeah, all yeah, this yeah. stuff. So what would you do to prepare for Survivor? The first thing I would do is I'd start watching every... I'd, I'd start with recent ones, but I'd watch... Uh, I'd binge the hell out of Survivor. That's a great answer. I'd make a lot of fucking notes about it. I'd probably read up... I'm sure there's like Survivor subreddits and shit like that. I'd read about strategy and what other people... So that way, like, people have thought a lot more about this than me and talked on much deeper levels. So I would see... I'd, I'd see what everyone's doing and then I'd read about to try and understand maybe why they're doing it. Um, that'd be the first thing I would do. Yeah. Um, I would also try and get in really good shape because I know there's a lot of physical stuff. Yep. So I would think I'd spend most of my time doing those two things, basically. I don't know what else I would need to do. Um, I don't. I don't know how you can easily game out anything on Survivor. Like, like in Jeopardy, you like people actually build Jeopardy sets at home and practice. You can't really do that on Survivor. I don't think. Well, not having watched it, I don't know for so sure. So this is one of my wife and my guilty pleasures is we do watch Survivor, which mm-hmm. is kind of embarrassing. And Love Island, right? Kind of embarrassing to admit. And uh, no. Bachelorette? I do not watch any of those things. My wife does. Uh, just Survivor for me. But okay. um, so last season on Survivor, there was this guy who was like a kid, like 21 years old or something, who had a 3D printer and he 3D printed all of the Survivor puzzles that were like, because they repeat puzzles. Oh, they do? So, yeah. Yeah, so he three 3D printed all the puzzles to learn how to do the puzzles quickly, hmm. and he was like elite at puzzles. So that's a pretty cool way to prepare. That's a pretty that's pretty interesting for yeah. sure. Um, it seems to me most of Survivor though is about getting people to not 
kick you out, right? Like that's the whole game. If they don't yeah, kick but you if out, you, you're fine. If you right? win immunity, you don't have to worry about it. But yeah. Sure, but, but, but even if you win immunity, you still have to there's a point when you have to win a vote, right? Yeah. You have to win the last vote. Yeah. If you can't win the last vote, you got no shot anyway, right? Right. You have to so you have to be likable. You have to do things to make sure you you have to always be thinking about how do I win the last vote. This reminds me of this is gonna sound like a stretch, but it all makes sense. Okay. So back in the day, a friend of mine uh played in a fantasy football f- thing, right? My friend Chris, you've met him. Yeah. Um but it was a fantasy. It was one of these fantasy football things where you pay like whatever two hundred bucks, and it's you know a th- ten thousand people playing it, fifteen thousand people playing it, something like that. And you have your own individual league, and after like week nine, then you the winner of that league plays in an, another thing, and if you win week ten, then you play in another thing, and the playoffs were like week twelve and thirteen or something uh-huh. like that, right? So I think week twelve was the championship for some reason, right? And so my friend Chris, who was an elite fantasy football player. Um, played in like big money leagues and all this kind of stuff. He was telling me that like, so the first thing he did was he looked to see if any teams were on buy in week 12. He yeah. was like, oh, the Dallas Cowboys are the only team in the league on buy. So I can't draft any Dallas Cowboys no matter what, because there's no point in doing this if I don't have a good chance to win the title if I get there. Right. right? So he like, he reverse engineered his team from that. And I think that's what you should be doing with Survivor too. Like the guy who's really good at puzzles he better be fucking likable because that's the kind of thing where people may come after you actually because you're good at puzzles if you're too yeah. good at it, right? If they're like, oh my God, look at the prep. Look how good he is at this. Yeah. Like there's something going on here. Oh, there's we we def- got to get rid of this fucking There's guy. definitely an element where you don't want to show how good you are at challenges early on. Yeah. Because like it used to be the opposite. It's interesting how uh, for most of you know that we are poker players and our main podcast that we do is like a poker podcast. How poker has evolved over the past 20 years. It's similar things have happened strategically in Survivor hmm. where like, People used to make just dumb field player moves all the time in poker, and now like elite strategy is not to do those things. And in Survivor, it used to be like, oh, we have to keep strength around at all times. We have to. So our tribe like does well. Yeah, right? and even once it became uh, a one tribe thing, where it's individual immunity rather than tribal yeah. immunity, people would still keep the strong people around to like provide fish and stuff like that. Oh my that. god! Yeah. yeah, it's really changed a lot though. Now yeah. it's like that's unbelievable. Even on the first day, people now talk about like we got to get rid of the strong people yeah. on our tribe, even if we're going to lose all of the challenges. As right. A tribe. It's like it's okay if only three of us survive out yeah. of eight of us, but like we know we all have a chance to win because we'll have gotten rid of the people who definitely would beat us. Right. Yeah. Like those people are going to beat us anyway. So who cares if we survive? But you got to do it at the right time because there are a lot of advantages to having your tribe yeah. enter the merge because then you have people that you know that you at least have an in with to vote. So you with. have an alliance yeah. thing. Do those alliances really hold up once you've, once the merge happens? Not, not usually, but it, yeah. it varies from year to year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the alliances are really bullshit, right? I mean, they're real for like a very short period of time sometimes, but it's all bullshit because everyone's just trying to win. Yeah. Right? So that that's interesting. By the way, I looked up Steve, what's his face, yeah. a little further, and he is working. Huh. He's doing comedy tours. So really? he's like, he's in Tacoma uh, a week from tomorrow. Yeah, but he's not in Los Angeles. No, he's not. He, no, he's traveling around the country, and it costs between $25 and $35 to see him, depending on where you want to sit. Um, but I'm just saying, like... That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised he can even do that, honestly. You know, do you think he talks about the 9-11 stuff I really wonder. Act? I think he should. He might have to. I think he should. He might have to. Yeah. That would be cool if he did, at least. It's you know? been a while. Maybe he thinks he can get away from it a little bit, but I would be very worried. He's got to have a whole thing he's ready to do when people bring it up because hecklers are going to fucking bring that up. Of right? course. So he's got to have... I bet you he leads with it to like fucking just take it away from everyone. You've got to. Yeah. So he just starts with, I did this horrible thing. He probably does the blog, a version of the blog post, but it makes him look better than it should. Right? Yeah. Um, and he feels bad. He really fucked up. 
and it's really cost him all this stuff, but he's really glad to be here now, and then, and then he just fucking moves into it. But he does like three minutes on yeah. the 9-11 thing. That's the only way to survive this, I think, if you're him. And then yeah. the hecklers can't really say anything. Yeah. It's a classic move, man. Take Punch yourself before they can punch you. What's, what's more likely, him surviving his comedy set without a heckler or you surviving three years in the maximum security prison? Um, if he gets to do that, that preamble or no? If he gets to do that preamble, I think it's him. Okay. Um, if he doesn't get to do the preamble, me. Because he's going to get heckled, I think, almost every single time. People will pay money just to fucking bring it up and fucking be at him. There might be people protesting outside the fucking comedy clubs. There probably are. There probably are. Jesus Christ. That's got to be very difficult. What a, yeah, what a, what a thing that was yeah. that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.